Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the OT lifestyle movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Today, we are talking all about homeschooling, and we're talking with Sarah Collins. Sarah is an occupational therapist with a background in both pediatrics and home health. She's also a homeschooling parent and the founder of Collins Academy Therapy Services, where she educates parents on how to create homeschools specifically designed for students' needs, and also trains occupational therapists on how to best serve the homeschool community. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So exciting to have you with us today because I'm excited to learn more about homeschooling. Uh, it really fascinates me. So before we dive into it though, I'd love to rewind the clock a little bit and I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I mean, our life today is looking absolutely nothing like what I would have expected from when I was growing up. My, my husband and I actually started dating. I was 14. He was 13. Um, and we kind of had this vision of what our life was going to look like. And I was going to work and he was going to work and everything would be, you know, fantastic. And, um, and it actually went that way for a long time. My daughter was eight. My son was six and my youngest was one when we, um, he, we ended up moving for his job. And once that happened, um, we moved in March and the school year here, um, it ends usually between May and, and June, depending on where you are in America. And so we moved in March and they started public school again. And then we moved to our final home where we are now in May. And I was like, well, this is, this is silly. They're not going to go to their third school in a year and just start over for one month. And um, so we actually ended up homeschooling at that point. And we met this fantastic community of people and it just, um, it changed our world. What we are able to do with our children and the amount of time that they would be in school all day, the places that we get to go, the things that we do together as a family looks completely different than what it did when they were in school all day. Um, so I was home with them completely for a couple of years. And then, um, still side note, I'm a little bit of a research nerd and, um, so I was still keeping up with my CEUs and I went to a handwriting without tears course. And while I was there, you know, the instructor was like, Sarah, you don't know how many occupational therapists and homeschool families, you know, they, they need to mesh better. And there's so many homeschool families that are coming in here and asking questions and they just need somebody that they can relate to um, that's doing what they're doing and that they can ask questions to. And so I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. And, um, I thought about it for a while and I started researching it and, um, you know, there still to this day is only one article that I have found that is about occupational therapy and homeschooling. Um, and that one was just a preliminary study that basically said families are accessing occupational therapy, but only through the medical model. They're not necessarily even addressing their educational goals. And it's something that is necessary and needed. So I started then by 
that took until, you know, October to get everything rolling. So it was October of 2019, um, right before, you know, I had started to get going and it was right before, you know, COVID started and where everybody then automatically started schooling at home. There is a big difference between homeschooling and like having to do school at home, but you would have thought that I would have been ready and like booming. Um, but unfortunately at the same time, we ended up bringing my husband's grandparents home to live with us during COVID and they needed a lot of healthcare. And so I stopped again, um, and just got restarted here in, August of this year. So not even a year have I been really in this role doing what I'm doing now. Mm. Awesome. This is so exciting. So how many kids do you have? How many children? So we have three that are here all the time. My daughter is 12 now. She just finished up actually yesterday with her big, um, we do a program where they go into school one day and she just did her final exams. It was six hours, the sweet thing, six hours of like a culmination where she had to do um, essays. She had to draw these body parts. She had to draw the entire world map which hello, I I definitely (laughs) cannot do. Yeah. So many things. Um, so she just finished her seventh grade year and then my son is 10 and he is, he's still finishing up. So he's finishing up his fourth grade year. And then I have my other son is five and he, his birthday is October. So he's been kind of, he'll turn six in October. So he's been doing some stuff, but not like he, he, in America, he wouldn't even start kindergarten until the fall. So um, it's amazing what he does pick up from learning from the older kids. But he, you know, we haven't really started formal academics yet with him. And then we have another little guy who's here part time, who's also five. So we kind of work with those two together. So you're juggling homeschooling and also your homeschooling academy. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. That's busy. <laughs> Which some days is a little bit crazier than others. And, you know, finding that balance of, you know, work and play and how we're going to fit all this lifestyle and everything in is sometimes quite crazy. Most of the time it's fantastic. And I've been able to really focus on my kids. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm running everywhere and I'm not focusing on anybody. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's reality too. <laughs> Yeah. Talk to me about the lifestyle. I'd love to learn about the homeschool lifestyle because obviously it's completely different to traditional school and the traditional curriculum. What's the the lifestyle look like for you? So our day is, yeah, it looks very, very different than, than the average school family. So we get up, I do end up doing a lot of stuff with them together. Um, which has really been amazing to watch, you know, my older kids work with my younger kids and how that all, um, how they learn from each other. Um, It's been beautiful. So we have, we have two days a week that we are with groups of people. So Mondays, we go to um, like a classroom setting where they give out all of the information and stuff that we're going to do for the week for my daughter. Um, And then my younger guys on the, those same days, we do a, um, they do a science project, an art project. They introduce like the history and math and science and stuff that we're going to learn that week at home. And then um, in the afternoon for the older kids, so fourth through sixth graders, um, they do a literature and language arts program. So where they're learning all the grammar and diagramming sentences and 
um, writing and uh, it's that per I can't say enough about it and how much that I have learned through this whole thing. Um, it's been amazing. Um, so we do that on Mondays and then we spend Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, we do a morning time together, which is every, you know, all of us are together and that's where we, um, we watch the news. And the, I mean, there's certain things that we just do everybody together. We read a history story. We do a lot with what we call living books, which is meaning that they're books about a certain topic. So not everything compiled into a textbook, but, um, you know, so if we want to read about, you know, science or something, we're going to find something on that specific topic instead of a giant book about it. Um, and then, so we do all, you know, that type of thing in the morning and then they divide up and do their, you know, their pieces that they have to do for themselves. Um, my daughter spends the majority of her day now on her own, now that she's in, in middle school. Um, she kind of directs her own learning, although we, I definitely, you know, we meet up towards the end of the day and kind of go through what she did. And we, I really love the discussions that we're able to have. Um, I know what she's reading. I know what she's learning, but I don't necessarily know it all myself. I mean, like I said, she just drew the world map and I most certainly, I mean, I feel like I could have been one of those people that where they were like, you know, where is this state? And I'd be like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm learning definitely now very differently. Um, so it's, that's just been great. So they do that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then Fridays, we do a nature hike with the giant group of people at this point. It started out just a couple of families and it has started to grow. It's about 50 kids at this point. And we hike all around the areas that are here. We do a nature study and then we, we go and that's all ages. Um, I would say that is another one of the big advantages that I didn't really think, you know, I get, and I get it because I asked, I probably asked this myself before I was a homeschool family, but you know, people are very concerned, like, how, how are your kids going to make friends? And um, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that they're not afraid to talk to people of all different ages. Um, on this hike, you know, I watched like little kids come running up to my daughter and this other large group of teenagers and they're, you know, walking right alongside of them. And um, so they're not afraid to go up to big kids and the big kids are, you know, hanging out with all these, you know, in the middle age or middle age, like the middle of them, you know, the nine and 10 year olds, they're playing sports with them and running with them. And um, it's, it's beautiful. It's something beautiful to watch. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of freedom and flexibility in terms of scheduling the day. It's not yes. as rigid as traditional school, which can be supportive of so many kids' needs. You know, not many kids really, if we look at it realistically, not a lot of kids fit the, the rigid structure of, right. the cool, right. uh, of the school system. Um, and I can see how beneficial homeschooling can be, particularly for kids with special needs. And 100%. Mm -hmm. I love how you touched on then about this, there is this controversy, right, around mm -hmm. homeschooling and that it shelters kids from mm -hmm. socialising and that it can negatively impact their social engagement. And I must admit, like you too, I initially had these thoughts many years ago um, before I even looked into homeschooling. It was just like this pre-programmed thought and belief yeah. that I held that, oh, you know what, they're going to be stuck inside all day with their parents and they're not going to see other kids. They're not going to have that natural interaction 
that they get when they're at school and they can form these beautiful friendships. And what I learned over, over time and speaking with particularly many autistic children is mm -hmm. that they, in the school environment too, it's very different. You are stuck in a classroom of children who don't necessarily have the same interests as you mm -hmm. but they are the same age and you're all in the same district or the same area whereas in homeschooling you can have this opportunity to connect with people who have the same interests so you can go on yeah. nature walks or you can go riding horses or go surfing or choose activities that are tailored to your interests and this yes. really shifts the atmosphere, the energy, the ability to connect and communicate freely with other kids because you have this common commonality, this common interest connected. Yes, absolutely. I, I talk to a lot of families and I'm like, you know what, who are just starting out and they get, they're also very worried about this, you know, the socialization buzzword that I call it. But I, one of my main questions is, well, when after school, when are you ever sitting in one spot with 25 people that are all the exact same age? Never, never. I mean, you need to know how to interact with people who are older than you, people who are younger than you, people who look like you, people who don't look like you, people who have the same strengths as you and who have very, very different strengths as you. That's, that's what the world looks like after school. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're, you know, really holding this in such high regard of this is how we make, you know, good socialization and good social skills is by being with the exact same kids all the time. It just isn't true. Um, you know, and there's a lot of research out. So NERI is, it's called, it's the National Home Education Research Institute, and they publish peer-reviewed articles as well. Um, and they have tons and tons in there about socialization and about especially kids with, with special needs. And um, you're right, because if you can get kids together with a common interest, um, they are so much more likely to build relationships. I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, we have the common interest of occupational therapy and we're here talking across the world, you know? So that's, it's how you base relationship, um, not just on proximity. So it's been, I remember right after we started and we went to a homeschool, um, like, a, I think it was homeschool week in Williamsburg, which uh, by the way, a lot of places do because they need people to come during the school year and um, museums give homeschool discounts. And so we're going, you know, everywhere. But I remember I was watching at the pool, we were there in like a May, a May or something before the rest of school was out. And I watched my daughter just walk up to this other little girl and they just started swimming together and talking. And I don't know that she, I think she would have been a lot more timid um, before, you know, I witnessed her being a lot more timid before. And it could have also been that she was getting older and that type of thing, but um, she had no qualms about it. And then they had this beautiful conversation and she was also homeschooled and they talked all about, you know, what they do and what, while they were there. And it was, it was fantastic. And I think those are relationships that start because they're in a little bit of a different situation than the norm. Mm, yeah yeah absolutely so I think that's sort of a myth a common myth that we all hold on mm -hmm. to for some reason but it's something that particularly you know as 
therapists, not just as parents, but as therapists, we need to be coming into this and understanding this perspective through the parents' lens, like understanding their lifestyle, how they want to raise their children. And this is something that I know you're really passionate about is this client-centered approach is really understanding and supporting the parents to raise their children how they want to do it and not coming in as the expert and really trying to push different ideas onto them. It's listening and understanding and supporting them on their journey. And if, if homeschooling is that journey, then how can we help them when they, when they get to those barriers or those challenges? Um, and I think one of the most beautiful ways that we can do this and that homeschooling really supports this is being able to really see the brilliance in our kids you know so often this gets missed in the classroom we'll have the little meek and mild children who will get missed because they're they're um they're doing all the right things but Uh so much of it of the information and the education is going over their head um or for the kids who uh have attention and attention challenges or hyperactivity they're seen as quote-unquote the naughty kid and they're always getting into trouble and then they have mm-hmm. all these challenges with self-esteem and am I worthy am I good enough and all these negative self-thoughts that sort of cloud their better judgment and so I think we can really support parents to work with this innate brilliance of our children and to help them live up to their potential. Absolutely. I, every parent that I talk to, I say, you know, you are the expert in your children. My role here is to share the, the science with you and, and to talk about occupational therapy and to give you ideas, but really you're the expert in your child and you get to be the, the artist that really puts it together for, for your kid. And, um, you know, it's funny the way that, the way that you're talking about, like the, those meek and mild kids. Cause I think that hundred percent would have been my, my son. Um, he went to kindergarten in public school and I mean, he did fine. He was going along with what I thought was everybody else. And, um, but once we brought him home, I realized like him learning to read, he was just really, really struggling. And it took a, a little bit of time, you know, I kept working with him and talking to him and we were, I would read and read and read to him and his comprehension and what he was taking in did not match what he was able to read himself. And it actually took, you know, I was like, well, maybe it's just taken a little bit longer and that's okay, you know, cause we have that freedom. It actually took until he was out like in our neighborhood and these boys made a club, you know, and in that club, you had to read the rules to get in and he couldn't read the rules and he got so upset and frustrated and he was already different, you know, I mean, we homeschool, so it's different. Um, in our neighborhood, it's, it's interesting. Like not everybody goes to the public school. There's kids with different private schools and whatever. So it's not like he's the only one that was different, but still he was, you know, it was different situation and he felt so stupid. And I was like, okay, well, we need to then, if you're feeling frustrated, let's hone in on this. He was like, mom, I don't know how you're supposed to read when the words are moving on the page. I'm like, oh, buddy they're not moving on the page, you know, but I wonder how long it would have taken because again, he does just kind of skate. He's, he's 
quiet. He's um, most of the time, I mean, he is a definite sensory seeker. I mean, he's my kid that will be sitting for a little bit and then he's out and jumping on the trampoline and then he's coming back in and um, then we'll be reading and I'm reading to him and he's doing flips and that type of thing. So he has, he does have that freedom and that, that need. Um, but I, I still, I wonder what it would have looked like if he was in the public school system, if they would have caught it at the same time before him feeling um, really berated and really dumb. Um, so he ended up, we did, he had convergence disorder, a visual scanning insufficiency. And um, we ended up, we did vision therapy for a while. And then, you know, being an OT and having this freedom, we did a whole lot of bird watching and a whole lot of scanning our environment and playing, you know, sequence games and just doing anything and everything that we could do to strengthen his eyes and to work on convergence and to build that into our day. I mean, that's the other beauty of homeschooling is that we have all day, every day to really make learning our atmosphere and make um, the, the kids needs centered and focused all day long. Um, and the families I work with, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I don't have to talk about you know, here's your ADL goals. And then later on you have goals for, you know, education when you're going to school and there's a different therapist there. And, you know, it's all, it's all with one family and all with one spot and you can carry it over into math and cooking and, and, um, you know, scanning your shirt for him. It was, I even had his shirts lined up in a certain way in, in his closet so that he had to look the whole way across and his, the, I would take him to the grocery store and he was, scanning the spice aisle and you know like I could do that all day every day and so he was able to hop right through and now at this point you know we're in fourth grade and he's I mean he's a little bit still I think he prefers graphic novels and um he doesn't like you know long books with tons and tons of, with a small font but he can do it and it's mm. it's it's just been such an honor to work with him and to be able to carry over the science and the art of occupational therapy. Mm, I love that. Can we dive into that? What, what do you see as the science and the art of OT? What does that mean to you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I think about the science, I look at all of the stuff that we started with, you know, even down to, you know, the anatomy and the physiology, and we're looking at the science of the sensory systems. And um, there's so many families I talk to and I know most of you guys get this too, but they don't know what proprioception or vestibular system is or interoception. You know, they don't know what those words are. And so knowing the science and even the theory of looking at how a person and their environment and their occupation, how it all intersects. And we have to, you know, analyze the activity and break it all down. And so that's what I would consider the, the science of occupation, right? And then the art is really being able to look at each kid and how are we going to apply it personally into their lifestyle and into their life. And for me within my home, I can do that also within our homeschool. You know, I, again, I told you, I, I'm a bit of a research nerd. I've just been reading this book, um, uh, Grasp by Sanjay Sarma, who is, um, he's the VP, I don't remember exactly what his title is. He's the VP of cognitive science, I think at MIT here in America. And 
it goes through all of the theories of learning all the way back to where Aristotle was talking about, you know, learning styles and then all the way through the history of what the school system has done and, and different types of schools and things and how learning impacts memory. And so I'm able to take these things and look at my children and say, how am I artfully going to help them specifically to learn? You know, I don't have to look at 25 children. I get to look at my kids' passions and their needs and their strengths and put them all together. And it's, it is, it's a bit of artistry and I, mm. I just get so excited. And I, know, I, can, I can feel this energy coming. I can feel yeah. it. And it is, the art is this client-centered approach that you're describing. Yeah. It is really this client-centered approach. And the way I see it is it's also bringing empathy. It's caring for the individual needs of our clients and understanding that we are all on this different journey and Mm -hmm. really understanding that everyone has these different belief systems and supporting people on whatever their goal is and not imposing our own belief systems onto them. And then Rhiannon, I have, oh, I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt you, but it is, this is another one of almost my, my soap boxes. You know, there is not a day really that goes by that I'm not, because I'm in a lot of different homeschooling Facebook groups and homeschooling with special needs. And I run the group homeschool therapy ideas, which is for OTs and um, homeschooling families that where we're sharing different ideas together and talking through um, different homeschool activities and that type of stuff. But there's not a day that's like that someone is not posting in one of these groups of my professional says I can't do this. And a lot of times it's my OT has says that we can't homeschool our children because they need to go into school either for socialization or because they need to get services or because, you know, they just think that that a lot of times it's because the professionals don't understand homeschooling. They don't know what it, like we said, there's not a lot of research that is within our profession and this area of families or this community. And so because of that, you know, people recommend what they know. They know the public school system. They know that there are services there. And let me again, tell you, I have nothing against the public school system. And in fact, I thrived in it my kids were doing great. Again, I told you the only reason that we left was because of a move. You know, I never would have made this jump on my own. Um, and I know there are fantastic therapists out there. There are fantastic school systems out there. Um, but we need to support these families and what they want and what they need and not impose our, our beliefs on them and what we think should be happening. And even, you know, I mentioned my son's story and I went into the public school system with him to get some testing done just to to see if he would qualify for services there. And he did. He qualified for occupational therapy there, actually, which I kind of giggled at. I was like, he gets OT all day, every day. But, you know, whatever. Um, And then he qualified for the Wilson reading program within there with a reading specialist. And we were sitting down at the IEP table and I asked, I was like, all right, so can you just tell me a little bit about what the classroom looks like? She turned to me and she was like, well, the walls are blue and, you know, oh my goodness, you know, like I know, (laughs) I know what a classroom looks like. I get, I mean, I should have done a different word, I guess, but I wanted to know what the atmosphere was and how many kids were in there and how, what time was happening. Not literally what it (laughs) looks like, but she just, she didn't know what I would know as she, 
I don't know. My husband said, he was like, I think she really expected us to walk in there with like, you know, your denim dress and your apron and your, <laughs> you know, like they had no idea what they were coming into. And I, I get it because it isn't as big of a population of people, um, but it is continuously growing. I mean, even before COVID, which now there's been a huge explosion, but it was growing by um, the the statistics say two to 8% every year it was growing here in America. Um, there was, as of 2019, there was 2.5 million homeschool students. That's a lot. That is a lot. And then at this point now, we're thinking, you know, that there's, they had to do it based on the census. And so who knows exactly the accurate, how accurate every number is right now, but they're saying between six and 7 million homeschool students right now. And the HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, I was listening to a talk by them the other day. And now granted, not every homeschooler is a member of HSLDA, but of those who are, 80% of the new families who are homeschooling have said that they're staying homeschooling. So this is a, a huge group of people that we need to know how to serve and serve with respect and serve understand where they're coming from, understand the different theories of, you know, homeschooling, understand how that impacts our practices. Mm. So what is your role as an occupational therapist working with homeschool families? Is it parent coaching? Is it consulting? Is it working one-on-one -on -one with the kids? What does it look like for you? So what it looks like for me, um, I actually have a huge role within occupational therapists and kind of matchmaking is what I do. So I will, I work with families first. I talk to the, to the parents and I do a whole lot of parent education on type of types of things like you were saying, of, or we were mentioning earlier, like what is the science of occupational therapy? What is, what are the sensory systems? What is executive functioning? You know, I do a whole, I, I do a whole lot of, this is, um, you know, the, the resources, and then I let them apply it to their children. The way that so the do you do, do, you do any sort of assessment on the child first, and then you do the education? Or is this sort of just a generic sort of education information right. that you so have? So I do, the families will, I'll just kind of walk you step by step. So a family will contact me. Most of the time, they find me either through, um, the my I have a website homeschool OT where they'll find me from social media or they'll find me um, I mentioned HSLDA which is the homeschool legal defense association I'm a recommended you know provider from them um, there's a whole lot of other um, programs that are out there for um, families that can go to one's called sped homeschoolers so I'm a recommended provider for them so I and I do a lot of um public speaking. I'm actually going this weekend to a, con a convention. Yes, we do have, talk about a nerd convention there. Um, we do have homeschooling conventions. And so I'm going there this weekend actually to one. And I do a lot of public speaking. So families will find me. And what we do is go through their homeschool day. So because of the way that licensing is here in America, I could only work with people in Pennsylvania if I was doing direct therapy. And since there was nobody doing this in America, I was like, this is not going to work for me to be able to say, okay, here I am in Pennsylvania to work with you. Sorry, other 49 states. Um, so 
what I do is work as a homeschool consultant. So I talk through their homeschools. I talk through the curriculums that they use. We, we look at um, their whole day, like from the, when they get up until they go to bed, because again, we think of homeschooling as learning as your whole atmosphere. So we think about, we talk through all of that and where are your issues? And then I provide them with a ton of resources. So I send them to um, a lot of other OTs who have written things or have, um, you know, OT boxes that they send or have um, podcasts and that type of thing, books that they've written. Um, I make it my job to do the research on what is out there so that families don't have to do that. Um, so if you are an OT that has a product, <laughs> send it my way and I will um, make sure that families know what it is. Um, and then the other thing I do is if they need direct therapy, then I am working with OTs also across the nation to understand the theory and the statistics and um, the implications to treatment and the research behind homeschooling itself. So that then when families go in, I know that I'm sending them to a homeschool friendly occupational therapist. So that course, it's um, called Homeschool Context and Treatment Ideas. And that's also, that's at my website. And so once people go through that course so that I know that they'll be ready to treat these families, then I pair families up with occupational therapists that can provide the direct treatment that they need. Mm, yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. That, that's a little different probably to how I was imagining. I was thinking maybe um, they will come to you. You get a referral from a parent who had challenges with their child in some sort of area, uh, uh -huh. fine motor, for example, and then you'd work with the parent on fine motor skills and how they could support them. But it's really, um, it's really, it's a bit different to that, isn't it? Yes, because that still would be me using my, you know, using my okay. occupational therapy yeah. brain and doing really doing therapy because yes. parent education is such a big part of, of what we do as of, as therapists. Mm -hmm. So I can't take that away and say, oh, well, now I'm a consultant. You know, you, can, you can't, how do you disassociate that with your brain? So what I do is give them the resources and I give them all kind. I mean, so much information. I talk through, um, through lectures and through um, where I'm getting ready to start a membership where the families will come here and it'll be a topic of the month like let's just say it's executive functioning um where we will i will have also coming from my course is the uh, therapist who is an expert in you know executive functioning and i will compare that with the homeschool world and parents can watch that and interact with us together then we do a book club and um there is also like a facebook group where the the families can continue and, and talk to each other and so I, that's how I educate without being direct, um, direct therapy is mm. just giving a lot of, I I'll give, you know, you mentioned fine motor skills. So I'll give information on like, um, resources that other people have put out that are on posture or on upper body strengthening or on, um, actual fine motor exercises. I'll be giving out all of this information that I've compiled from other people around. Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're getting the best resources to act as, a, act as an artist with their own child mm. within their homeschool. Mm. So important. Okay. So then how can occupational therapists who are listening to this right now who 
are tempted to sort of dip their toes in and to look into this world of homeschooling and working with families who are homeschooling, how can they, what's the best way for them to support the brilliance of the children that they're working with? And, and what are some of the steps that they can take to do the things that you're doing as well? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that they shouldn't start with my course, <laughs> because really that the course is four modules and one of them is really on a lot of those homeschool stigmas that we've talked about or touched on a little bit. Um, then there's one module that is all on the research behind homeschooling. Um, then on the types of homeschooling is the third one, because really there are no two homeschools are the same, um, but there are some typical theories that back up that education. And then the fourth is kind of how that all plays together and kind of puts it all together for how that would impact treatment. And so that gives a lot of really good information on how to best um, really to treat these families. But the other thing I would say is to really make sure that you're asking families questions that are very open-ended, things like, all right, so tell me about your day and how, um, how education fits into your day and how, where your problems or your, your issues are and where your child is really excelling because that, that gives us a more accurate picture. And it's also not, um, it's not that you're coming at them with a judgment at all. You know, you're not saying, how do you socialize your children? Because that's awkward (laughs) and it's not, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make a family feel welcomed. It makes a family feel judged as if you are already coming in with, oh, this can't be right. This mm-hmm. isn't the norm. You must be doing something different. And These it must preconceived ideas. Yeah. yeah. How... Right. Right. So the open ending, I really want to understand what you're doing. Give me the whole picture of your day, your occupational profile. Hello. And, um, and then we'll start and, and work from there. Mm. Yeah, amazing. Well, I think there's so much need for it. And I think now, particularly since COVID, mm-hmm. it has been explored a lot more yeah. than what it was previously. And people right. and families are more open to it. It's not mm-hmm. sort of sitting on the edges anymore. It's more welcomed within the community. There's more yes. opportunities for children to join up local mm-hmm. homeschooling groups on certain days and participate in different activities and occupations. Um, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. feel like there is a real need for OT to represent and say, hey, this is what we can offer. And right. these are the kind of underlying skills that your child may need in order to perform mm-hmm. well academically, socially, um, you know, all those boxes that we're, we're asking them to tick and to achieve on their schooling journey. So, right. Yeah, I think yeah. And I get the, the handwriting question a lot of my kids' handwriting is really, really messy. And um, that really gives me a chance to go through all of, okay, well, let's talk about some sensory processing and attention. And then let's also talk about posture and upper body strengthening. And, you know, we have to go through the whole rigmarole because it's not just my kids' handwriting is a little messy, but, but why? And then mm. look at their grasp. And um, so, I think that's part of me advocating for occupational therapy as well. And so a lot of that also comes from 
Facebook groups and from the own, my own Facebook group that I run and um, then from families that are around and um, from these, you know, homeschool conventions and stuff. And really, you're right, just making sure that families understand the role of OT and that we want your kids to be able to achieve anything and everything that they want and they need to do, which is so different for every kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to be those people to help you individualize your homeschools and individualize how you're helping your kids to learn. And oh, it's so fun. Just so, so good. <laughs> I, I love it. And so how long are you working with specific families for? Like, what's the time frame here? What's that look like? So typically after we do like their whole um, evaluation of their homeschool, and I, I hesitate with the evaluation word, but where we, you know, go through their, their whole day and really look at what their homeschool is like. Um, then I provide them with their list of recommendations and or their actual occupational therapist um, for direct therapy. A lot of times then I keep working with that OT. Um, my One of my favorite success stories is with, I don't know if you know, Marley Olson, she, they run sensational spaces and she is out of Minnesota. She's also licensed in Pennsylvania. And we have a handful of clients now that I'm like, I need a person for this one. And um, then we talk back and forth about how it's going and what's going on and what she's doing in direct therapy and how I'm working with that throughout their, their homeschool itself. So a lot of times, again, it is like different curriculums to try and, and that type of thing, or how to structure their, their homeschool day. And um, so then we, they pay me, it's like a monthly fee where they will, um, we do two 20 minute phone calls. And so it's just a check-in of what's going well and what's not going well. And then I see them again the next month. So it really is me and the family, the parents, again, just doing some education on, on how things are going. And it's a check-in in that way. And, um, and then collaborating with therapists, which, I also love to do. So it's, Mm. it's really fun. And I do again, like my, my first priority is my own homeschool and my own family here. And so this is a good, it's a balance of how do I spend the majority of my time with them and then still fit this in on the side, because I'm, I know there's such a need for it. Mm. So I'd say at this point between running the business and like the business side of things, which my goodness, I had no idea about like, <laughs> well, we do that, don't we? We just follow our passion, uh, dive straight in, and then we're like, okay, no one needs yeah, to that yeah. business. Oh, yeah. I, t- oof, I took a course, the business bedrocks course last year with Laura Figueroa, thankfully, because I had no idea what I was doing with like my systems and then also with setting up our my own website. And oh, it, I, it has been a quite a learning curve as far as all of that business part goes. And then also the, the balance of my own homeschool and running the business and all that. So I would say at this point, I'm probably working about 15 to 20 hours a week. Mm, yeah. Awesome. I think that's a great mm-hmm. balance. I think so too. It's great. <laughs> so good. Was there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to speak on before we start to wrap it up? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think we covered my, my biggest things, which are, you know, really just trying to be as client centered and client focused and, and to make sure that we are being um, respectful and understanding um, where families are coming from and what their goals are when we're starting to interact with them and to treat them. So um, no, I think, and I just, I, I do get so passionate about um, working with families and helping them to see their children as 
these beautiful creatures that have so much to give and um, no matter who they are and where they come from or what diagnosis they have, that they just have so much to give. And it's, we get a, the privilege, especially as homeschooling, well, as any parents, but as homeschooling parents, we get the, the privilege to, to help them to learn and guide them towards their specific you know, purpose and what they're going to be within their lifestyle. It's just, it's so great. Mm, absolutely. You get to appreciate how unique each child really is yes. in that, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. small homeschooling environment that you often miss in the classroom environment. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Awesome. All right. Well, let's head to the three rapid fire questions. So the first one is, <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> the first one is in one sentence, how would you describe OT? Um. I would say occupational therapy is helping families and or specific people to do anything and everything that they want and need to do. Awesome. Number two, (laughs) what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? I would say um, even, you know, I've looked into, not looked into, but I've really had to pay attention to our balance of what's happening in our life. And I know you even, you asked a question the other day on your Facebook group of how do we impact our own productivity? And for me, it has been that I take one full day every week that I am doing nothing but resting, relaxing. Um, What that looks like is um, hiking most of the time with our family. This is, we usually do it on Sundays. We go to church and then we go for a hike. And then, you know, we hang out or we do whatever, but what I'm not doing is I'm not planning my homeschool week. I'm not checking my email and making sure that all my clients are you know, doing okay. I'm not planning out, um, you know, planning my evaluations and my schedule. I'm not cleaning my house because again, when you, you know, we homeschool, so I'm here all the time and so it, you get into a situation where every day looks exactly the same. So I would say as weird as that seems, you are more, or at least I am, I am more productive when I take a full day away from all Mm. of the typical work. Mm. As hard as it is sometimes, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we know that there's that never ending to-do list. It's so important for our Yep. Put it away on one day a week, pick your day and put (laughs) it away. Pick your day and put it away. All right, that's our motto for today. (laughs) All right, and number three, if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? One piece of advice. Um, I'm actually going to go away from this whole homeschool thing that we've been talking about. And I would say to be open to different career ideas within our own field. Um, You know, like I said, this is never in a million years what I would have picked. I loved working in the hospital. I loved working. I worked for a while with a transition program. So it was kiddos who were coming out of rehab and then going back into transitioning back into school. Um, I loved home health care where I was going into people's homes. I loved it all. And so it has been really a different, the career, the, our occupational therapy has just moved along with whatever my lifestyle has been at the time. So don't be afraid to think outside of the box and, and use your skills because they can be translated into so many different things. 100% 100% agree and I never thought I'd work in peds and I have for the last 
what nine or ten years now so yeah. uh, and I started in hospital as well and I yeah. thought that is I'm home and host I thought this is my home my hospital is where I want to be mm-hmm. but I think as you evolve and as you grow and as your lifestyle changes mm-hmm. we can we can um, grow our career alongside that and that's the beautiful gift of occupational therapy I think yes so. yeah And my last question is just how does everyone find you, Sarah? If people want to learn more about your course and the kind of work that you do, where's the best place to send them? So my website is homeschoolot.com. It is a a work in progress right now. I have my my first website my 12 year old daughter and I did together so again I told you know I told you that I was not really up on what I was going to do business wise um so we did it together and then now it has been um outsourced I outgrew it pretty quickly and so um it is a work in progress but homeschool OT is where the is the where the course is um you can find me on Instagram at homeschool OT and then in the Facebook group which is homeschool therapy ideas um that a lot of place, a lot of families are in there and they're talking about things that they, questions that they have and OTs are chiming in. I do a marketing Monday where OTs are sharing about the products that they make and how they could be helpful for um, homeschool families. I love to, I do a feature Friday, a lot of Fridays where I will show off, you know, what other OTs are making or, or ways that they are helping in the homeschool community. So again, reach out to me if that is you. I'm Sarah or Gmail wise, I'm Sarah at homeschoolot.com. Email wise. Um, and so reach out and you know, I'm I love to share what other OTs are doing because we do have such a fantastic profession mm. and so many amazing, innovative people that mm. can really give back to this homeschool community. Mm, absolutely. And collaboration is key. I love yes. collaborating. And this is part of the reason why I love the podcast, is because I get to connect and share and share other people's message further it's sort of like a platform and you know this Mm -hmm. is something that I do I think even if no one else listened because it's just this connection and collaborating with other OTs is is amazing and if we can all share our own gifts further to the world then we're all going to make the world a better place so isn't that the truth yes yes Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your wisdom on homeschooling. I've learned heaps and I'm so grateful that you're doing the work that you're doing. And I hope this creates this ripple effect out. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm really passionate about this and I'm really just so excited to be working with other OTs and how they're starting to see and work with the homeschool community and how we can continue to boost this, this group of people. So thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope it inspires you to take action. If you hang out over on Instagram, come over and say hi. Let's connect. I'm at Liamon Chris. And we'd absolutely love your radiant energy in our Facebook group family. You can find us simply by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, open-minded OTs from around the world. And if you are sharing it on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Rhiannon and Chris so I can share it on my platforms as well. The more we share the OT lifestyle movement, 
the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. So that's it, guys. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world, one occupation at a time. Carpe diem, guys.